0: So anyway, on that day, a small crowd of about 50 people gathered. And um, Blessed Mother appeared again. And she asked them, are you suffering? And they said yes. And um, then they asked about going to heaven. And Our Lady said, I will take Jacinta and Francisco soon. But you, Lucia, you have to learn to read and write. And you will be the one who will promote my message. You'll be here a little bit longer. She was there till she was 97. Okay, and uh, she, but she's the one who spread the message. And Our Lady said, "My Immaculate Heart will be with you all the time." Okay, so so that on the, the, the second apparition, take a look at the book here because there's a lot of things. Trying, I don't want to give every little detail. If you're going to get the book, you can read that. But um, uh, but Our Lady, let's see here, the second. Uh, the, I want to get to the July apparition. That's the most important as far as the, do- the doctrine there. Um, little Jacinta made, uh, Lucia made uh, requests of Our Lady. People were asking for healing and so on. She would often say, if they're good, if they're, if they're converted, if they live good lives, she would, um, she would answer their requests. And um, one of the interesting things is at the end of the apparition, Our Lady, uh, the first two apparitions, he opened their hands, and the children were enveloped in a light. They said they could see themselves in God, and they even said the light was God, you know, and that they saw themselves so clearly. And the, the, the light had such an impact over them. Even the angel had let them experience something like that. They couldn't even talk to each other. It, it, they were like in a deep ecstasy. I mean, it took them a while to come out of it, you know, before they could talk to one another there. So it was an overwhelming spiritual experience there. Now, the third apparition, okay, the July apparition, as far as the, the teaching, the doctrine, or the message, this is the most important, okay? The miracle of the sun was the most important to prove that she was there, okay? So, what happened on July? Okay, we, we break it down into three secrets. The first part, or three parts of this apparition the first part was the children saw hell. And you might say, well, why would the Blessed Mother let these little children see hell? to tell the world hell is real. It was an overwhelming experience. But little Jacinta used to say, she was the most affected by it. She was the youngest. She used to say, I wish everybody would see hell, then nobody would ever go there. Hmm? And, um, and you know, it gave them such a zeal to pray for the conversion of sinners, which we should do. You know, hell is real. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. But we got to make sure we don't go there. Hmm? Uh, it's like uh, the example of the man that went to confession to Padre Pio. And Padre Pio told me, you better change your life. He says, you're going to end up in hell. The guy said, well, I don't believe in hell. And Padre Pio said, you will when you get there. <laughs> A little bit too late, though, huh? Okay. So that was the first part of the secret. The second part of the secret was Our Lady told them the war, World War I, will end. An era of peace will come if people do what I say. However, if not, another more terrible war would come. And she even gave a sign, if you see a night lit up by an unknown light during the time of Pius XI, know that this is the sign that another war will begin. And it happened on January 25th, 26th, 1939, Pius XI was still alive, and um, they had an experience on Northern Europe and North America that... They couldn't describe it any other way, but they said it was an Aurora Borealis. Yet the Aurora Borealis does not happen that far south. It's up at the North Pole. And um, and But they didn't know what else to call it. But that was the sign, and World War Two began. And that took the lives of 50 million people. Um, and it was also, later on, Sister Lucia said, it was a worse war because it was aimed at the total destruction of the Jewish people. And remember, Christ had come from the Jewish people, his his human life, you know, he was born of Jewish background, Blessed Mother, the apostles, and they were trying to destroy them. In fact, when Hitler realized that he could not win the Second World War, when, he, when his army got stopped at Stalingrad, the Battle of Stalingrad was the turning point, then he began to deport the Jews to the concentration camps even more rapidly than he did before. Okay, so... Um, So in that sense, it had also a deep religious significance. So Our Lady predicted another war. Then she also predicted an evil would begin in Russia that will spread her errors around the world, and that was communism. She said, I will come to ask for two things, not one thing, two things. I will ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart by the Holy Father, and then I will ask for the... um, the Five First Saturdays Devotion. Well, we, well, she called it the communion of reparation. We call it the Five First Saturdays Devotion. She said, I will come back and ask for both these things. She came back in 1925 when Sister Lucia was a postulant with the Sisters of St. Dorothy. Okay? And she um, <clears throat> she asked for the, the, uh, the Five First Saturdays Devotion. What happened was the Blessed Mother appeared in the room the little cell of Sister Lucia, and she appeared with the Christ child, okay? In fact, before the apparition took place, uh, Sister Lucia was sweeping in front of the convent, and what happened was a little boy came along, and she said to the little boy, do you know the Hail Mary? And he said, yes, and she said, "Alright, say it, and he wouldn't say it. He said it, in fact, he asked her twice, asked him twice to say it. Then finally he said, well, you know what? Up at the church, there's a beautiful statue of the Blessed Mother. Why don't you go up to the church and pray in front of the statue? So he went up. Okay. Later on that afternoon, <laughs> when the Blessed Mother came, she came with that little boy. It was a Christ child. That's why he didn't say the Hail Mary. He doesn't pray to his mother. You see? Uh, see? So, so um, and what happened was the Blessed Mother, he was on a little cloud, by the way, the Christ child, the Blessed Mother was right near her. Her heart was surrounded by a crown of thorns. And so the Christ child spoke first to Sister Lucia. He said, you see the heart of your mother, surrounded by thorns put there by evil men, who will take those thorns out of the heart of your mother? Then Our Lady spoke. And she said to Sister Lucia, at least you do it for me. And then tell anyone who will go to confession, receive Holy Communion, say one rosary, and then spend 15 minutes meditating on the rosaries with the intention of making reparation to my immaculate heart for all the offenses against it, I will give the graces of salvation that are necessary for salvation at the time of their death. Okay? But then the Christ child later on said, tell the people, don't make the devotion once. Keep making it. Why? Because he wants our prayers. He wants our sacrifices. You see? Uh, So that we, so that he can use that for the conversion of sinners. See? And I call that, I have a special appendix at the end of my book on the Five First Saturdays Devotion. I call it Our Lady's Spiritual Formation Program. If you want to get into Our Lady's Spiritual Formation Program, do the Five First Saturdays Devotion. Remember I told you, Sister Lucia said it's the most neglected part of the message of Fatima. And probably one of the most important because it's specifically what Our Lady asked for the conversion of Russia. See, everybody's been wor- worrying about whether the Pope made the consecration. Forget about it. It's done. The Pope did his part. Believe me. Okay. What we're not doing is our part. We're not doing the five first Saturday devotion in the numbers that we have to do it. And that's one of the reasons why I made a big effort to explain this devotion. What do you do? You go to confession. By the way, you can go to confession a week before or after. And if you make the five first Saturdays devotion, same confession can apply for both of them. Okay? Then you receive Holy Communion on a 24-hour period of a first Saturday of the month. Then you offer a rosary, five decades of the rosary. Usually on Saturday, it's the Joyful Mysteries. And then spend 15 minutes in heart-to-heart talk with Mary using... One or another mystery, all of them or f- some of them, one of them, to offer reparation to Mary. And uh, later on, Sister Lucia's um, spiritual director asked her, Why are there only five for a Saturday? Why not seven or nine? So she asked our Lord. The Lord appeared to her again. He, she was in a place called Ponta Ve- Ve- uh, yeah, Vedra in Spain. Okay? She was, a, as I said, she was a postulant. And when our Lord appeared to her, He said, "The reason there's only five five first Saturdays because there are five blasphemies against the heart of my Mother. And what are those blasphemies? Those who blaspheme Mary's Immaculate Conception. Remember, I told you the devil must hate that because she was the first one who over whom he had no influence at all. She was the beginning of the breaking down of his kingdom. Secondly, blasphemies against her immaculate uh, her." Uh, perpetual virginity. And of course, in the sex crazy world we live in today, that would be such an offense, such a rebuke to so many people. And it's also a strength to our living, our chastity according to our vocation, the chastity for the married, the single, the consecrated people. Okay. Mary's perpetual virginity is a beautiful support and encouragement for chastity. Thirdly, Um, that those who blaspheme Mary's divine motherhood as the mother of God and also being our mother. Fourthly, blasphemy uh, for those who keep the young from her, especially publicly, those countries, nations, and even individuals. I I stress the idea of the families that keep their young children. After all, Mary's a mother and a mother has a a right to the love of all her children and all her children have a right to her love. Uh, the, The fourth the, the, the fifth um, re- reparation of blasphemy is um, for those who destroy the images of Our Lady or those who, you know, desecrate it in some way. Remember they had that cow dung picture of the Blessed Mother done in New York? Remember that? It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Or down, in, in, um, down there in um, New Orleans... Now this is a little bit, but this is true. You know, they have these decadent weeka- decadence weekends down there. Okay, you get a lot of s- sleazy people go down there. They had a float with the with Christ completely naked, and the Blessed Mother half naked. That happened before Katrina. They were going to have another decadence weekend that weekend. Katrina hit. You know. I believe there was probably some connection. You know, God is patient, but God has a limit too, you know? Um, and so we have to make reparation for these sins because they, the people who do this will be lost if someone does not offer prayers and sacrifices for them, see? So that was the second part of the... Oh, then she asked for the consecration. She came back in 1929... She asked, she, you ever see that picture of the God the Father? You see him from the waist up, and then the Holy Spirit like a dove, and then Christ on the cross, and the blood coming down. says, grace is in mercy. And then on the other side, the blood goes in, the precious blood goes into a chalice, and then um, the Blessed Mother standing there with the rosary, Our Lady of Fatima. That was the apparition at a place in, in Spain called Tui. And it was during that apparition that... Um, Our Lady told Sister Lucia, tell the Pope now to make the consecration. Okay? I'll get back to that in a moment. The third secret, okay, the third part which was kept to the very last, all right, to be revealed. wasn't revealed until the year 2000 at the beatification mass of uh, Blessed Jacinta and Francisco. It started off with an angel holding a flaming sword. He was ready to touch the earth, which would have meant the earth would have been engulfed in fire. The blessed mother put her hand out and these breezes from the hand of Our Lady stopped the fire from touching the earth. And then the angel cried out, Penance, penance, penance. The next thing the children saw, they saw a city that was bombed out, burned out. There were dead bodies there and a group of people walking through like a procession, walking through the city, walking up a mountain. Okay, The first one in the procession was a bishop in white. And the children assumed, they didn't know who it was, but they assumed it was a pope because the pope is the only bishop addresses dresses in white. Okay? He climbs the mountain. He's praying at the foot of the cross and he's shot. Okay? Now that's in the third secret. Later on, all these other, oh, all these other people are, I'll try to step back, maybe, is that okay? Uh, is it too loud? Okay. Uh, the the Pope, the, I mean, the, the people going up the mountain, all of them are shot. These are all the martyrs from the 20th century, the concentration camps, all those in the Spanish Civil War, the, the Mexican martyrs and all of them. That's what they saw. This whole list of people, you know, included lay people, religious bishops, priests, okay? And, and that's why what happens is Christ is on the cross and there were two angels there with these big containers, aspersoriums, and they were receiving the blood of Christ and the blood of the martyrs. It's joined to that and then sprinkling the martyrs with the blood of Jesus. See, I think that's why Pope John Paul said we are going to have a new springtime in the church because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Have you ever heard that expression? The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, In the first three centuries, we had so many martyrs. And that's what allowed Christianity to get a foothold and spread throughout the Roman Empire and beyond, you know, around the world. And that's why they think, Pope John, must have figured with all of these martyrs, all of this suffering for the church, the church will have a new springtime. And that's what we're, you know, Pope Benedict's guiding us to the new evangelization and so on. So, now let's go back to that, what happened with the consecration, okay? And that third secret, all right? What happened was the, the consecration, Sister Lucia, when the, when the Blessed Mother in 1929, when she said, now is the time to tell the Pope to make the consecration with all the bishops of the world. The Pope was Pius XI. We don't know why he didn't make the consecration. We're not sure. I know, reading the life of Padre Pio, Padre Pio suffered terribly under Pius XI, not because of him, but because the investigation of Padre Pio was left in the hands of the Holy Office. The Pope was trying to deal with the rise of Nazism and communism and, you know, all these things. And and later on, when they asked him why he was so severe on Padre Pio, he said, he said, I was badly misinformed. He may have been misinformed about the consecration we also know there were communists who had infiltrated into the Vatican. I had put in my book a very, uh, very important story about a woman named Bella Dodd. Bella Dodd grew up in the Bronx. She went to the same high school a couple of my brothers went to. She was a socialist. She was a, uh, a lawyer. She became a communist in 1930. In 1930, Stalin was, of course, the head of the Communist Party. And Stalin had been... Uh, a seminarian at one time. And he read Darwin and he said, Darwin proved that uh, God doesn't exist. And so um, he became an atheist. He stayed in the seminary and got thrown out for reading pornography. First thing he did as premier of Russia when the communists took over, he went to that seminary and executed all the priests and all the seminarians. Okay, Now, this lady, Bella Dodd, she entered the Communist Party and in 1930, and uh, Stalin said that the greatest enemy that communism has is the Roman Catholic Church. And the way to destroy it, he said, is to recruit men who have no vocation, no faith, no morality, recruit them into the priesthood, let them get through the seminaries, and they'll cause havoc in the priesthood. And that's exactly what they were doing. And she said, she said, she told Bishop Sheen when he converted her in 1950. She told Bishop Sheen, I personally recruited between 800 and 1,200 men to enter the priesthood to destroy the Catholic Church from within. So you think some of the problems were spontaneous? I don't think they were. I think these people were all set. And you know what she also, she also said? She told Bishop Sheen where he had four contacts high up in the Vatican, cardinals, who were probably masons working with the communists. See? You know Alice von Hildebrand? You ever hear of, she's on EWTN? She's the one who told me about Beledad. She knew Beledad personally. She told me that Pius XI had trained a number of priests, gave them false identities and everything, to go into Russia and begin to form an underground church. Okay? False identities. Every single one of them was captured and killed, which meant there was an informer in the Vatican okay, so we, I mean, we can't be naive, we mustn't be naive, evil can infiltrate, and obviously Satan's, I mean, Stalin's idea would come from Satan himself, hmm? to destroy the Catholic Church from within, so could that have possibly been the reason why Pius XI didn't do the consecration, I suspect some of those factors were there, Pius XII, okay, what happens now, when Pius XII becomes the Holy Father, all right, 1942, that's the 25th anniversary of the Fatima apparitions, 1917, 1942, 25 years. The bishops of Portugal are having a great celebration. They want the Pope to make the consecration, but a new element entered. In Portugal at the time was a mystic. Her name was Alexandrina de Costa. She was beatified by Pope John Paul II okay toward the end of his life okay she received she had suffered she suffered the passion and so on she received a message from the sacred heart to ask the pope to consecrate the world to the immaculate heart of his mother so we got this request coming from the sacred heart to alexandrina of course lucia sister lucia's got the request of our lady of fatima to consecrate russia her Immaculate Heart. So, two requests come. Now, the Portuguese bishops, are not going to ask the Pope to make two consecrations. So, they said to Sister Lucia, ask the Pope to consecrate the world, because the Sacred Heart wants that. And Mary would have no objection, right? She said, do whatever my son tells you. All right. So, Sacred Heart wanted that. Blessed Mother wants Russia. So they said, tell the Pope to consecrate the world with special reference to Russia. And that's what Pius XII did. He mentioned, consecrate the world, and then he put it this way. He didn't mention Russia by name. What he said was, that country where your icon used to be venerated but cannot be venerated anymore but will be venerated again, Russia. Okay? Now, at at first, Sister Lucia did not want to do that. I guess she wanted a blessed mother, to be the main one, right, and the only one. But she went to pray in the chapel, and Jesus in the blessed sacrament told her, "Do what the bishops told you to do." So two requests, and then, and he didn't mention Russia by name, Pius XII, because he was trying to be neutral during World War II. Remember, Russia was our ally. See, he would have infuriated the Americans and the British. Plus he would have been open to the criticism, why didn't you consecrate Nazi Germany? But the Blessed Mother didn't ask for Nazi Germany. She asked for Russia. See? So that's why he did it that way. Now, later on, what happened was, uh, but the only problem during World War II, he couldn't contact all the bishops of the world, so he didn't make it with all the bishops. What happened, so it did not bring about the the, uh, conversion of Russia, but... Because of that consecration, World War II was shortened by two years. Jesus had promised if that consecration was made to his mother, he would shorten World War II. And it was right after that, the Battle of Stalingrad took place, and it was the first major victory by the Allies okay, in World War II. Now, in 1952, Pius XII again tried to consecrate Russia, but he didn't do it with all the bishops. So that didn't make it. Now, the, the message, okay, 1960. Remember, Sister Lucia, she's writing. She, for some reason, she kept that third part of the secret. She was told, keep it secret. The other two parts, she had already revealed uh, about the vision of hell and the idea that Russia would an error would be in Russia and so on. But the third part about the Pope getting shot, she wrote that in a separate piece of paper. She was very sick in 1944, and the bishop there told her, there is still part of the secret you haven't told us. You must write it. So what she did, she wrote it down, she put it in an envelope, and she wrote 1960. Okay? And she said, she the reason, now that was not from the Blessed Mother. This is important to understand. The Blessed Mother didn't ask her to put 1960. She put 1960 there because she figured by 1960 all the contents of this third secret would be understood. Well it wasn't. When John the twenty third was Pope in nineteen fifty nine, three months before nineteen sixty, he read the the third secret. You can imagine, who's this Pope that gets shot? He sent it back. You know, I remember a friar who used to read all the Italian magazines, he said Pope said now's not the time. And people were very disappointed. Remember we had zero in nineteen sixty, we want to hear it's going to be a catastrophe, you know. And then they began to, to, to uh, get hysterical, some people. The pope is withholding, you know, that there's going to be a natural catastrophe, or there's going to be a world war, or the devil's going to take over the church. All those crazy things were going on, see. And that hysteria continues. All right, what happened? After John XXIII read it, who's the next pope? Paul Sixth, right? He read the message. And he must have said, well, who's this pope that gets shot? Send it back. John, the 20, John Paul the 1st didn't live long enough to read it. And John Paul II didn't read it until he got shot. Remember, he was shot on May 13th, Feast of Fatima. Okay, And he should have died. He lost four and a half pints of blood. That bullet went all through him. That's why later on he said one hand guided the, the gun, but another hand guided the bullet. It missed every vital organ in him by fractions of an inch. You see? So what happened was that he survived that, all right? And he, he actually had gone home. He was three three weeks in the Gemelli Hospital, went back to the Vatican, got sick again. They rushed him back. The second time he was at the Gemelli Hospital, he realized, May 13th, Fatima, May 13th, I got shot. Let me see the third secret. Once he read it and he saw about the Pope who got shot, he said, that's me. And he had such gratitude for the Blessed Mother saving him. He said, it, he said, it wasn't so much that the Blessed Mother saved my life. She gave my life back to me. That's the way he put it. You know. So he said, I'm going to make the consecration. He even wrote the prayer while he was in the hospital, in Jameli Hospital. Then in 1982, May thirteenth, one year after the assassination attempt, he went to Fatima and he wanted to make the consecration there. He had left it in the hands of some courier people to get the letters out to the bishop. They didn't do it. He was furious at them. They delayed the whole thing. And so what happened was two years later, you know, Sister Lucia told him the consecration was not made. All the bishops didn't do it with you. 1984, he took care of it himself. He sent the letters out on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, 1983, December 8th. And then on March 25, 1984, the feast, the solemnity of the Annunciation, he made the consecration right in Rome. They they took the statue from the Cova, brought it there to Rome. There were 800 bishops with him that time, plus all the bishops around the world. When they sent the notices out, 2,800 plus bishops sent back their signed things that they were going to make the consecration with him. And out of what, a little over three thousand bishops. So the overwhelming majority made it. And even Sister Lucia said the Pope did everything he could. Now if you do the best you can, you can't do better than that, right? And so the Blessed Mother wouldn't expect more than that. And um, and they made the consecration with him. And again he followed the same pattern as Pius the Twelfth consecrated the world, and that's why people bring up an objection. I got it in the back of my book, another appendix, the objections to the consecration of John Paul. Why did he consecrate the world? Now you know, because the Sacred Heart asked for it. John Paul simply did the same thing Pius XII did. The Sacred Heart asked for the world to be consecrated to his mother. Then he mentions Russia without mentioning Russia by name. He was going to mention Russia by name, but the reason he didn't the the, uh, communists had their, the Russians had their tanks and their soldiers on the eastern border of Poland he was afraid if he provoked Brezhnev Brezhnev would have sent his tanks in and crushed Solidarity remember Solidarity was the the means of bringing about freedom in Eastern Europe, right The people started to get the feeling of freedom through Solidarity in Poland he he didn't want to risk that, you know and, um, and so he made it without mentioning Russia by name. But you read in my book, exact way Pius XII did it, John Paul did it. You know, not exactly literally word for word, but a similar pattern. Consecrate the world, Russia, special reference, and so on. And Sister Lucia said, heaven accepted it. And all the messages were finally given out. So that's what happened to the consecration. John Paul made it. You know, and um, and Sister Lucia used to be very offended when people said the consecration wasn't made. She was very upset with that. And she said when people would say the whole third secret is not out, the whole secret came out. Cardinal Ratzinger, I remember I had a copy of it, it uh, was inside the Vatican. They put out a special edition. He had the actual photostat of the handwriting of Sister Lucia. You know, unfortunately, somebody else put it out Uh, on four pages instead of two. The original was two sides, okay, one sheet of paper. That's what they said was in that envelope in 1960. So you're going to hear a lot of other little crazy things. Believe me, it's over. It's done. Haven't accepted it. Now, has there been any change in the Soviet Union? Yes, very dramatically. Within one year after the consecration, Gorbachev came to power. Remember he talked about Glasnost and change of attitude and he allowed religion. He himself said religion was taught by our grandparents when it was forbidden to teach religion. And then um, so within six months we uh, or one year rather, we had uh, Gorbachev in power. Nineteen eighty nine, five years after the consecration, the Berlin Wall came down without a, a shot being fired. Okay? Three years after that, nineteen ninety one, okay, On Christmas Day, over the Kremlin, the Soviet flag came down with the Soviet Union. All those countries that Russia had subjugated, that flag came down. The flag of Russia as a nation went up. All the nations were free. He dissolved the Soviet Union. Gorbachev, he was the president, so he dissolved that. And that all happened after the consecration. Now, you had to get rid of that before the consecration could start taking place in the hearts of the people, because remember all the churches they destroyed, they, they were they were the, they was atheistic for seventy five years. You don't change that in one day. See, that's another thing people are misleading, saying, "Well, we had the consecration, we should have had the conversion, everything should be all peaceful." Blessed Mother didn't say that. In fact, if you if you follow that kind of line of thinking, you might as well throw out the rest of her message. Prayer and penance for the conversion of sinners. She wants our involvement. That's why I said to you about the five for Saturdays, prayer and sacrifice that she asked for, for the conversion of sinners, and that's why we've got to do our part. The rosary, you know, being faithful. Um, and I'll, I'll just I'll just summarize, and then I I don't want to get too late here. Uh, the, the next three apparitions: August, okay, uh, in the August apparition. Uh, the children were abducted. Remember, they were brought to a prison in a city called Orem. The, the administrator there he deceived them. He said, "I'll take you to the, the uh, you know uh, apparition site." He took them to Arem, that people didn't know where he was. They were in this prison cell with all these, with a couple of prisoners there. In fact, it's true. They said they got the guys to do the rosary. And even one guy had a little concertina. And he was playing it. And little Jacinta, she loved to dance. She danced with one of the prisoners. You know. In fact, in the movie, if you saw the movie on the 13th day, uh, Sister Lucia said, the way I will always remember Jacinta was the way she danced that day in the prison. Okay? With the prisoner. Um, so... You know, uh, they, they did not, the apparition did not take place then on August 13th. But what happened, down from their homes, was a little place called Valinos, and the Blessed Mother appeared there on the 19th of August. Okay, and uh, she said, if the government had not done that, if they had not abducted the children, the miracle in October would have been far greater. Remember when Jesus, the gospel said Jesus couldn't work any miracles because their lack of faith distressed him? Because of the lack of faith, because of the harm they did to the children. Remember, they threatened to boil them in oil. And the children were willing to die rather than to reveal the secret. They wouldn't do it. They, they really had the grace of martyrdom. They were all set to be boiled in oil. Huh? How how cruel these people were. Huh? So, The next, the September apparition was very simple. Blessed Mother said to come back and, you know, next month, and I will appear three times. You will see St. Joseph. The only other saint to appear at Fatima besides Our Lady was St. Joseph. Now, on October, okay, this is the great miracle of the sun. 55,000 people is what they estimate were in the cova. And for another 25 miles around, about another 20,000 people saw the miracle of the sun, okay? And it had rained for approximately two days. The ground was soaking wet. The People were soaked, you know? And um, they came to the kova, and the children came. And, uh, you know, they were praying, and it was kind of getting a little bit, people were really getting upset. You know, they wanted to see a miracle. They wanted to see it. And all of a sudden, as Our Lady, Our Lady revealed to them who she was, She said, "I am Our Lady of the Rosary." Okay, and um, uh, she she told them that you know the about the the message. And then Lucia said, "Our Lady, you promised the sign," and Our Lady pointed to the sun. And now, the three children did not see the vision. They did not see the miracle of the sun. They saw the Blessed Mother appear to them three times. I'll explain that in a moment. When, when the Muslim mother pointed at sun, son, Lucia, who was in an ecstasy, she doesn't even remember saying this, she simply cried out, look at the sun. And all the people looked at the sun. And all of a sudden, the sun started to break through the, crowd, the clouds. And all of a sudden, it began to sway. Now, I, I was in this man's ra- uh, hotel there in Fatima. His grandparents were at the miracle of the sun. And he showed me a photograph. He said, all the people are looking here, this way. The sun is always on this side. That's how far the sun was moving in the sky. The people, the, the, the light, the bright lights from the sun were making the people appear yellow, orange, and everything else, flashing in the sky and everything. But then it seemed to lo- leave its orbit and started hurtling down to the earth. The people thought it was the end of the world. Imagine it would be the earth would be engulfed in the sun, right? They're screaming out their sins, a lot of them, huh? Panicking. And, and by the way, a lot of people had gone there to mock. Hmm? To mock the whole thing. They didn't believe it. They said nothing's going to happen. Boy, did they get a surprise, huh? That's for sure. And then all of a sudden, it all stopped and the sun went back. You know what happened after that? <laughs> breeze came through. Now, the breeze did not affect the trees. None of the trees, none of the leaves blew or anything. It affected where the people were. They were all dry. The ground was dry. The clothes were dry. Somebody said it was like getting your clothes washed when you're wearing them. Hmm? <laughs> you know, that's exactly what happened. Okay, and um, and so uh, the the, uh, the the people went home. You know, believing for sure. That's for sure. And um, but what did the children see? I tell you, they didn't see that. What they saw was Our Lady three times. The First time. St. Joseph appeared with the Christ child. They were blessing the world. And Our Lady was with them. She was Our Lady of the Joyful Mysteries. Okay, In the second apparition, she was Our Lady of the Sorrowful Mysteries. She was Our Lady of Sorrows. But Christ was with her. He wasn't suffering. So it wasn't the Sorrowful Mysteries. He was a young man. And many think that's the luminous mysteries that Pope John Paul gave us when Christ was a young man was was almost prophetically seen in that triple vision. And finally, the the glorious mysteries, Our Lady appeared as a Carmelite. She came as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. You know? That's, that's what she did. She came as Our Lady of Mount Carmel uh, to be victory. Why Carmel? Well, because remember, Mount Carmel in the Holy Land is where Elijah, the prophet, you know, battled those 450 false prophets and he won. So Mary... The glorious mystery is the victory. You know, she's symbolizing the victory of Christ. So, um, Our Lady. So Our Lady came later on. You know, to um, to ask for those the consecration as well as the Five First Saturdays. And that devotion, as I said, if you want to start putting something in the practice, practice the Five First Saturdays devotion. Try to get little prayer cells maybe in your parish. Get a mass on Saturday. Get some people. Have a holy hour or at least say the rosary and then spend 15 minutes after that. A beautiful way to carry out Mary's message, okay? And Pope Benedict believes that this is what we must do. I'm convinced we don't need to come up with another plan. The Blessed Mother gave us the plan. Well, all we got to do is do it. Do it as her loyal sons and daughters, her loving sons and daughters, because she loves us. She doesn't want any souls to be lost. And you know those little children, when you read this, they became so zealous. They became so generous in their sacrifices. You know, I, I when I was reading that stuff, I was just so inspired. I, I said, what love and a little heart, like little Jacinta, you know, and, um, and Francisco, he was so simple. But those are the ones God chooses, right? And then Lucia, she carried out her mission very greatly. So I'll stop here. We have time for maybe... Few questions. Yes. What would it, the miracle of the sun would have been far greater. See, in other words, that opposition caused the miracle to be diminished. See that, like the lack of faith, the resistance causes the grace of God to be held back. Okay. Yes. Sure. Yes. I would say this. This is a very good question. You know, they're talking, there are many people losing their faith, the faith is growing weaker, and so on. Um, and the new evangelization is to try to get them back. In fact, the new evangelization is aimed at Christian countries so-called Christian countries where the faith has become decadent or almost dead, to revive it. The Pope sees we need a new evangelization. But without spiritual power, the new evangelization is not going to make it. Even the Pope said we need to pray. And Our Lady has told us this is the way to conversions. Her whole plan is conversions because the peace of the world depends on the conversions of sinners. She said, this is the way she put it in July. She said, in the end the pope will consecrate russia to my immaculate heart many souls will be set, will be converted and an era of peace will be given to the world so that era of peace we call it the triumph of the immaculate heart of mary she said she spoke about that she sp- spoke in terms of triumph of my immaculate heart it's going to come That's why the Pope said this prophetic message of Fatima is not over. It can't end until we have the the triumph, you know. And it will come more quickly the more we do penance and prayer for for reparation for sin. Remember, one of the things Bishop Sheen used to talk about, maybe those of you who are familiar with Bishop Sheen would remember this. He used to make a comparison between the East and the West, okay, In the West, I mean Christianity and the Western nations, Western Europe and uh, America and so on. He used to say, we have Christ, but no cross. We have no discipline, no self-denial, no dedication to a cause. He said, we don't have any zeal. And he said, Christ without a cross, he says, cannot save anybody. In the East, under communism, dictatorships, they have a cross. They have discipline. They have dedication to a cause. The communists were very dedicated, see, but they have no Christ. So he used to say, will they find Christ because they already have the cross before we find the cross because we already have Christ? And he said, they will find it first. And Pope John Paul, at, at one time having breakfast with a number of bishops, asked them, where will the spiritual thrust of renewal come from? He said, it's going to come out of Russia. See, what I think is happening, I don't know whether you've been up on a lot of these things. Remember, the president of uh, Russia just came to see the Pope two, two or three weeks ago. Did you know that? The pr- president of Russia. And uh, he he must have invited the Pope to go to Russia. You know why? Pope said to the Pope said to the newspaper people, he said, um, he said I think I've got to study Russian. No, he's not going to study Russian and talk to in in anybody in the Vatican, you know. He's, you know, I I suspect this. I suspect that um, the faith is going to grow again in Russia. Okay, we know it's growing. They they already have this this president established about two years ago a day in Russia to celebrate the coming of Christianity to Russia. Okay, you think we could get that in America here? Boop boop. Forget it. Hmm? Right? Then he also, this past past year, ordered that in the schools, Russian orthodoxy is to be taught to the children. There has to be something about morality. The Muslim children can learn about their faith, but there has to be something about morality. So their religion is being taught in their public school. You think we can get that? That's why the faith is coming alive. Now, in the city, uh, do you ever hear of Kazan? Uh, Kazan, Our Lady of Kazan. Uh, let me share with you because this is uh, kind of interesting, and I think it'll cast light on what what, what I've been saying here. Um, Kazan is a city in Russia, about a, uh, an hour's flight from Moscow, going further east. Don't go there in the winter. The lady told them it a hundred and fifteen degrees below zero in the winter. And then she said, "For my consolation, uh, Siberia was 125 degrees below zero. So, you know. Um, so anyway, Kazan is um, where a very important icon. In fact, it's considered the only miraculous icon in Russia. And they got billions of them. You know, what happened was when the faith came to Russia, this artist made this icon. Okay, it's an icon of the Blessed Mother with the Christ child. It's covered over with gold and gems and everything. Now, when the Tartars came and conquered the city of Kazan, they were Muslims. So they buried that, that icon in the ground. Okay, 300 years later, Ivan the Terrible, Russian, you know, czar, came and he defeated the Tartars, freed the city, and allowed, you know, orthodoxy to be practiced there. After that, the Blessed Mother, either in a dream or an apparition, I don't know what, told this little girl where to dig for the icon Then get the authorities, the civil authorities and religious authorities. They wouldn't do it. They figured this is a prank by this little kid. So she dug for it. She got people to dig with her. And they found it. Now, there were two blind women there. When they took that icon out, they touched both of them with the icon. They both received their sight immediately. The priest who was there, Became the patriarch of, of Moscow. He declared that icon miraculous. Now, when the communists took over in 1917, Kazan had about 70 churches. After they got done with it, and there was one left. That's how methodically they destroyed religion. Everything, every even that even the the, the uh, what do you call it? the mosques for the Muslims, all religion had to go. And um, so, what the Russian people did, they smuggled that icon out of Russia, because the communists would have destroyed it, see, it ended up in the possession of the Blue Army, a group of uh, Russians wanted to get it, but they couldn't afford it, it was about $3 million in the 1950s, and that's a lot of money, today it would be about $15 million, something like that, and uh, they didn't have the money, so the, the Blue Army bought it, the Blue Army then gave, they had it for 30 years at their hotel in Fatima called Domus Pachis, they have a Russian chapel. They sent it to Pope John Paul II because he kept saying he wanted to go to Russia. Pope John Paul had it in his apartment in the Vatican. He had the icon of Our Lady of Kazan, the, the Orthodox icon, and he had the image of Our Lady of Częstochowa from his own Poland, east and west. And you remember when he said, he said the church is like a person, We've got two lungs, we got east and west, and we need both of them. His hope was to go to Russia to bring the icon back. But when he never got the invitation, he sent it back. And I went there. I went there on the first pilgrimage sponsored by the World Apostolate of Fatima because they were instrumental in helping get the icon back to Kazan. And when we got there, the the head of Kazan, the the, gov- the, the mayor, is a Muslim. And he was thrilled with the Christians coming to venerate the icon. There's great peace. About 60% of the people are Christians, 40% are Muslims. And yet there's peace between them. And they all venerate the icon. Even the Muslims venerate. So what this man did, He, since my visit, I've been there about four years ago. He's built a new Orthodox Church. He built a Roman Catholic Church because the... The guy from the World Apostolic Fatima told the the mayor, "You're going to have a lot of Roman Catholics who want their own church." He built a beautiful church. They had a little tiny, little, much not much bigger than a shack, was their church. Previously, when I was there, beautiful church he built, and um, and and the Christian and the people are coming. And the, and when I was there, the Muslim women were going up to venerate the icon as well as the Christians, you know. So Mary's doing something. And one of the people in our pilgrimage, when we were in Russia, she asked this Russian priest, she says, what does it mean to you to have the icon of Kazan back in Russia? He said, it means that the faith can now once again spread in Russia, flourish in Russia. So that icon is so important to these people. All right. So great things are happening but the more we pray and the more we offer sacrifices, as Our Lady asked, it will spread the conversion and will renew our church here in America. We need a renewal. You know, we need to revive the church. And it only can come with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. It could be, yes. It certainly could be. Uh, it's a very good thing. You know, um, th- it's a very good point you bring up. Fatima, the name Fatima, was the name of Muhammad's first and favorite daughter. So it's a Muslim name. And um, Bishop Sheen used to say, you got to believe that the Blessed Mother did not come down out of heaven to the only city in all of Portugal with a Muslim name just to convert Russia. He said, unless we have the conversion of hundreds of millions of Muslims, there'll never be world peace. And you can see he was right, you know, terrorism and so on. What's happening in their world right now? Isn't it strange? All that began in in, uh, Egypt, right? All that turmoil. Two weeks before, the Blessed Mother was seen over the church, the Coptic Christian Church in Egypt. Two weeks before all that turmoil started. She's been appearing there for several years. They've seen her. They're actually the, <laughs> the Muslims are shooting at her. You know, <laughs> I don't think it bothered her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but you know, see the the conversion of Islam uh, and the the conversion of communism is um, a focal point. See, but we have we have our own brand of communism in America now, and it's against life. You know, with abortion and so on. And this is why we can't, you're not going to drive it out politically alone. you got to use, yes, you've got to use the political means that we can. But it's not politics. It's not military. It's not financial. It's prayer. Because prayer changes hearts. I can't, I, I don't know, I can't change somebody's heart. But I know who can. If I offer prayers, see the whole thing of offering reparation is to make up for their sins. And when, when God is offended, we can't have peace. And God wants, and Blessed Mother came to ask us, pray for these people who are not praying for themselves. So you pray that little pardon prayer. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. And I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, And do not love you. And you know, if you practice that little sacrifice prayer, you know, Jesus, I offer this as a sacrifice, this is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, reparation for the offenses against the Immaculate Heart. If you do that through the day a few times, you know your your union with Jesus is going to grow. And that's how you grow spiritually. You know, that deeper union with Christ, doing every you know, doing the Father's will. See, four things, okay? Sacrifice, which you freely offer up. Sufferings that you accept, as Our Lady asked the children, when you accept sufferings from God. Um, intercession. So you pray for people, okay? And finally, reparation. You offer your love, your your all of these sacrifices and all that you do to make up for those who are not turning away from their sins. You make up for them. And God will give you the grace, maybe, to convert them okay so we need to do this to hold the hand of god back from punishing the world see when he sees remember the reading today at mass when god was going to punish his people for their golden calf remember and he says to moses leave me alone imagine it's almost like moses put his arms around god and said no don't do anything don't harm your people <laughs> intercession see for the conversion of sinners is what will bring that ultimate peace in the world Okay. I mean, I don't know if there's any last questions. I'll try to mar- uh, sign a few more books, and then yes, yes. Okay. That's right. That's a good point. Yes, yes. They they're going to make it. It's not that we shouldn't help them, but. The ones who really desperately need it are the ones who are in danger of going to hell. Yeah, you know, very good. Good point. You had a a question? Well, that's what they think it may have, you know, to see Christ. Since the other three, Our Lady and all three of them, we're representing mysteries of the rosary, how come Christ was different? With St. Joseph and the Christ child, there was all the joyful mysteries there. So Christ as a young man, um, you know, I, 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 I... No, no, not that we shouldn't pray it. Pope John Paul canonized someone from Malta and he was a priest who was promoting those. He changed them a little bit, but he said it was missing... You know, we went right from the, the birth of Jesus to his death. We missed his life, and that's a beautiful thing to have. And it, he called them mysteries of light, because in each of those mysteries, you'll find something of Jesus revealing himself, or being revealed by the Father at his baptism. This is my beloved son. At the wedding feast of Cana, he, he, St. John tells us he worked this miracle. He revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Later on, the transfiguration, his glory comes out, and the Eucharist, he shows himself as the bread of life. Yeah, They're, they're very beautiful mysteries. Well, you know, some people, they got going to... Sometimes they get a thing in their head, or they hear it from somebody. But if you try to tell them, try to say it. You know, after all, they are mysteries in the Eucharist. They're mysteries in the gospel. Yeah, yeah, they are, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... See, remember, in the beginning... The mysteries had to be put together. That was a lot to do to a blessed Alan LaRoche, who I think gave us the mysteries of the joyful, sorrowful, and, and glorious mysteries, the way we have them. And he was 1,500. So it doesn't mean that we can't add something. The Pope, you know, he he was encouraging us to pray the rosary, and we, we certainly need encouragement in our adult life. The, the mysteries show us Jesus in his adult life, young adult. Okay. Yeah, I've got one more here. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yes, it. Her her thing is it's part of our call to share with Jesus. Yes, we call that the co-redemptive mission. See, we we are Jesus. See, He wants our prayers, our sufferings. Padre Pio put it this way. He said, when they asked him to pray to God to take away his sufferings, he said, no, Jesus, he wants my suffering. Jesus, he needs my suffering. See, we we say with St. Paul, he has that one beautiful saying. He says, I make up in my body, in my suffering, what is lacking in the suffering of Christ for the sake of his body. Okay? See, in other words, he wants us to join with him And um, I I use the example, let me use one example. You know, you ever hear of um, matching funds? You know, you give a donation, somebody's going to match you. Okay, I'll give you an example of God's matching funds. Remember the little boy in the gospel who had the five loaves and the two fish? Okay, now I, I picture that little boy as chubby. You know why? Because everybody else was out of food. Mom packed a big lunch for Junior. He was all set for the long haul, right? Five loaves of bread, two fish. Okay. And um, but he willingly gave them to Jesus. See? Now did Jesus need those loaves of bread to, to feed the crowd? No. He could if he could multiply it, he created out of nothing, right? But he made himself dependent on what that little boy gave him because of the act of love involved. He generously surrendered what he had, see. And then Jesus Matching funds, he fed fifteen thousand people with it. <laughs> See, that's matching funds. See, so in other words, the Lord wants our prayers and sacrifices because He needs them for the salvation of the world, and that's what Our Lady came to ask for. In fact, in the I think it's the August apparition, this one of the most. There's two very touching words that she said. She said, "Pray, pray very much. Many souls are lost from God because there is no one to pray and offer sacrifices for them." Okay, and that's why the children offered as many sacrifices as they could. And the second thing that she said, the last thing of her, on the, at the last apparition, uh, as the people were watching the sun, she said to the children, remember she appeared three times, she said, Tell the people to stop offending my son. He's already been so grievously offended. So this is what we have to do live good and holy lives. That's the primary thing to live our Christian vocation, whatever our vocation is in life. Live a holy life. Offer your prayers, your sacrifices for intercession and reparation, and accept the sufferings that God will send you. Try to be patient with them. Okay? And you will be joining with Jesus in the redemption of the world. And that's what this is all about. The redemption of the world. Peace will come. Our Lady promised it. I believe it. You know, Let's do it, you know. Let's not let our mother down. hmm? We have to do generously. So I thank you so much for coming. May I give you the blessing of St. Francis, okay? He took this from the book of Numbers. But bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he turn his face to you and have mercy on you. May he smile on you and grant you his peace. May the Lord bless you, and I ask the Blessed Mother, Mary, through her immaculate heart, she may place the mantle of her love and protection over each one of you and all your loved ones. May she draw you close to her immaculate heart. And may St. Joseph, the only saint seen at Fatima besides Our Lady, may he watch over you, protect you and your families, And watch over the church as he watched over the Holy Family. I bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.